Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man, where we talk about sports and movies and other stuff. We're actually going to talk about sports today. I'm Pat. And I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. Today we're talking about baseball, or booze-ball, as we like to call it. How did we come up with that? Oh, because it's a great game to watch while drinking. Oh yeah, that's right. It's a fantastic game to watch while drinking. Not only because it enhances the game significantly, our listeners are unaware of our baseball allegiances, as it were. Uh, I am a, well, obviously I'm a Texas A&M fan. I don't know why I said obviously, because I don't think it's obvious at all from any of our promotional materials, but (laughs) (laughs) I am a Texas A&M University fan because I went to Texas A&M University. So I enjoy pretty much all sports from that college. However, I typically only really follow basketball or not basketball. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's the football. Occasionally I'll, I'll, I do enjoy going to baseball games when I can and other games and then basketball is kind of a Okay. <laughs> as far as university sports, uh, I'm also an A&M fan just because I lived there for several years and I was sort of like an A&M student. <laughs> I was on campus enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you were what we, we come to call a satellite. Right. You hung around. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our, our college as far as professional baseball goes, is since I hail from the city of Dallas, I follow most Dallas professional sporting teams. So a Rangers, I'm the I'm a Rangers fan. Sadly, <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So uh, Rangers fan, and I also am an Astros fan. And this used to not be a problem, and it really still isn't because the only the Astros have been good in the last several years. But, <laughs> but <laughs> yes, and even that's got a little bit of a tarnish, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah, it used to be. Well, it still is. Baseball is broken into the National League and the American League. And when you get to the playoffs, you know, teams from the National League play each other up and then teams from the American League play each other up and the winners from those leagues go and play each other in the World Series. For those of you that have absolutely no concept of how professional baseball works. (laughs) Which could be you know, half of our one and a half fans. You never know. (laughs) You never know how much about baseball our one and a half fan knows. So I used to be an Astros fan because they were in the National League and the Rangers in the American League. So I had one per league. Well, recently, the was it 2014? Mm -hmm. The Astros jumped ship from the National League and joined the American League. And pretty much the entirety of the Nationals or the, uh, the Astros history, they have not been very good. And then all the sudden now as part of the American League, they've been a lot better. Possibly again tarnished, but we'll get to that later. (laughs) As for the fat man, I'm a Cleveland Indian. When it comes to professional sports, mostly Cleveland sports, but I pay attention mostly to football and baseball, and so baseball is the Cleveland Indians, which heartbreak. Just nothing but heartbreak. Just in my lifetime, they've gone to the World Series three times, gone to game game seven all three times, and in two of those times, went into extra innings and lost all three times. They're now currently the team with the longest streak without winning a World Series title. Yeah, because one of those losses was to the Cubs. Chicago Cubs. Who had formerly had the longest running losing streak. Right. And because they handed that over to the Indians by beating them. (laughs) (laughs) So it was kind of a double win for them. (laughs) Right. But boy, what a hell of a game seven though. I mean, you really couldn't script that one better. Bottom of the ninth and, you know, the Rajay Davis just 
slams a two run homer to tie it up. You're coming down. He's like, there's two outs and there's nobody left. And there's one guy on and you're just thinking, oh, this is it. This is going to be it. And then boom, gone. You're like, oh, crap. Oh, that's just God giving me hope and taking it away. <laughs> You and every other Indians fan. It's almost like the definition of the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. You're living at Job, huh? <laughs> That's what you get as an Indians fan. Yeah. When you when you sign up or you buy your first piece of Indians merchandise or par- paraphernalia, they give you a copy of the book of Job. <laughs> this is what you're gonna this is what you're in for. <laughs> they don't, but they should. They really should. <laughs> It's also kind of kind of like being an Aggie, <laughs> especially in the football arena. So much hope, and then it just goes right away. I just, I just, just dashed. Just, I mean, at least it was early this year. At least it got dashed early. Oh my goodness, freaking Clemson! And that's what you get for only playing number one teams. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, we faced what was it four number one teams this past year. So, and for those of you who are wondering what the hell we're talking about, we've jumped to football now. <laughs> yeah, just real quick. A and M played three kinds of teams this year. We played unranked teams. We played top 10 teams, which would have been the number eight, which would have been Auburn, and the number four team, which would be Georgia. And we played the number one team three times. Right. <laughs> it was a significant number of games. Clemson, <laughs> Alabama, LSU. And we got decimated by LSU. I mean, 50 to 7, 51 to 7. Either way, I know it was payback for last year. Right, from the year before when we took them to seven overtime. <laughs> Oh, that game. I just want to watch that game over and over again. Just watch that. I don't want to watch the next season. I just want to watch that game over and over again. <sighs> Such a good game. Maybe we'll podcast just on that game just because it was so fun. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, I think two days later, it was playing on ESPN Classic. <laughs> like, they were like, we don't have anything else to show. This is going on. <laughs> Oh, you definitely got to pot about that because like, I can tell the whole story of how I was at work, working late, and like it wasn't until like I finished work and it just ended. I'm like, what? Yeah, I was sending Bruce texts, me and my brother-in-law playing games, and it just it just kept going. I mean, and it wasn't like nobody was scoring. Like that's the reason the, the overtimes kept rolling. No, everybody scored. <laughs> like every every overtime, it was just like they kicked field goal. We kicked a field goal. We ran a touchdown. They ran a touchdown. We got the extra point. They got the extra point. They missed it. We missed it. <laughs> it was every time. <laughs> so we were talking about foosball. Because it is an excellent game to watch and drink at the same time. You know, I used to not be able to watch uh, baseball on TV, primarily because it was boring. <laughs> But these days, I find that the really the only game I am still utterly unable to to be interested enough in to continue watching is basketball. Yeah. You know, going to basketball game. A lot of fun. Sure. A lot of fun. But uh, watching it on TV, I just can't get into it. And that's the funny part, because between baseball and basketball, my ability to sit and watch a game would be much higher with basketball. Well, especially college basketball, since it's only halves. It's like, what, 15, 20 minute halves? Uh, I think they're 20 minutes. So instead of a full hour with timeouts and everything else in there. It doesn't even matter. Even if we're talking professional, that's an hour, right? Versus baseball's three and a half to four hours. Right. <laughs> for time commitment. And it's so slow you know like so little happens every minute but like 
I think that kind of makes each individual pitch and each individual at bat, it makes it mean more because you have so much intensity packed into that one little. So much strategy and wondering if the strategy is going to pay off and the choices to make, uh, whether or not the execution is going to be perfect. There's a lot of that nuance in there. As an older person, you really start to like, I mean, there are younger people who appreciate the game, but I didn't really appreciate it until I was, uh, until I was much older. Especially since I could buy beer and watch it go. Hey. <laughs> that may be it too. Maybe that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the beer factor. Uh, just looking ahead at the season coming up, and looks like the Indians will be in the Dallas area for the Rangers on June 12th through the 14th, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The spring training game starts. The end of the month? Yeah, Friday the 21st against the Royals. Indians, March 3rd, spring training game. Oh, yeah, against the Rangers. Where do the Rangers spring train? Is it in Arizona? Surprise Stadium. Where is that? In Surprise, Arizona. <laughs> Whatever city it means, it probably means... Uh, because <laughs> there's really nothing else out there let's let's be honest it's arizona it's a desert literally the whole state is pretty much a desert and some mountains it is pretty <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean it's a desert with some mountains i mean <laughs> there's not much out there but what's out there is pretty because it's a desert <laughs> it's the <a> mountains <laughs> I will say it was kind of funny when you, you notice the, the discernible change in the type of cactus that there is. Like it goes from being like the little bushy ball looking ones mm-hmm. to the tall, lanky pillars. Mm-hmm. I noticed the difference when I was doing that drive. I was like, wait a minute, they stopped being those and they started being those. And it's, it's kind of freaky because from a disc, they look like people just standing up. What the hell are those people doing? In- oh, those are cacti. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Except for that one. That was an axe murderer. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Well, he was holding an axe in one hand and a severed head in another. And he's standing out in the desert. So, so you know. <laughs> oh. You know. <laughs> so, as far as baseball is concerned, there's a new rule change this year. Oh, okay. Specifically for pitchers. Now, anytime a pitcher comes into a game to relieve another pitcher, mm-hmm. they have to face a minimum of three batters or get through one half innings worth of play. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. My thinking on it is, once again, baseball seems to be really paranoid about the slow pace of the game and wanting it to be faster, like basketball or football, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. Which hilariously, we already pointed out that apparently does no effect on whether I'll watch a game. Right. <laughs> and the pacing, while I thought was going to be the determining factor, turns out not to be. <laughs> right. Because what was happening was is that coaches started playing more strategically with their collection of relief pitchers. So towards the end of a game, they'd say, okay, I got a relief pitcher that's good against the lefty. We're going to send him in for that guy. Okay, he took care of that guy. And here comes up a righty. So we're going to bring in this pitcher instead. And usually it takes time, you know, you the, the visit to the mound, taking out the one pitcher bringing the other one in, having him to warm up, even though he's already warmed up in the bullpen. Yeah, it's so much ass slapping going on. That's my thinking. I don't know for certain if that's why they did, but I would say that's probably a fairly decent guess as to why they decided to do that. Well, um, I'll believe it. <laughs> because, yeah, it does get frustrating as a fan when you have, like, you know, the seventh or the eighth inning goes for an hour and a half because mm-hmm. it both sides decided to change pitchers nine times. Well, it's most frustrating, like, say, in the start of the season up until the halfway point. But once you hit that all-star break, mm-hmm. everything changes. The attitude of baseball changes because then everyone's playing for a playoff spot. 
So at that point, you want to win every game. If you're a deep-hearted fan for a particular team, you don't care how long it takes as long as you get the win. All right, so you're going to have to explain what the All-Star break is. Either June or July, and what it is is, like every sport, they have some form of recognition of the best players in the league, and they hold a home run derby competition, and then they hold an actual game between the American League and the National League. I gotta admit, the home run derby competition is actually a lot of fun to watch. It is, and they they always make it more interesting to watch every year. Yeah, because I want to say I watched it this last year, and they had certain places like if you hit the ball, you got more points. You know, it wasn't just uh, how many home runs, but it was like if you can hit it over here or over here, you get more points. So there was like an overall and then, you know, there was a how many points. There was like several categories. There were several different. Uh, for me, as long as the base was, you know, the number of home runs and then, yeah, points based after that. And that's fine. It used to be like, I think it was longest home run. The tiebreaker was who hit the longest one. Okay. That's the way I used to remember. I don't know how it was this year. They, they're constantly changing it so that way they can try to see it's worth watching. Well, and, you know, I could see how it would become unworth watching if you had like dominant players, right? Mm-hmm. If you had batters that you just knew were going to sweep it year after year for like four or five years in a row. You know, most guys don't last longer than that. But most years, that's not how it works out usually. Well, not anymore. You know, I think ever since the whole, hey, everybody's using steroids, <laughs> you know, after the after the book Juice broke uh-huh. and everybody kind of got word and that, so that started. And I guarantee you people are using performance enhancement somethings, right? Right. Whether it's drugs or whether it's Something that that's not called drugs that effectively is drugs, <laughs> you know. I, I guarantee it's going on, but it's an all natural supplement, mm-hmm. right? It looks like steroids had a pretty significant impact on sports, and I'm not saying just baseball. It definitely did. Mm-hmm. Like there will be guys who never get to go to the Hall of Fame who probably deserve to be there, but they won't go because they were on steroids when they made their, you know, when they were at the top of their game. Right. It's the same thing in every sport in that time frame. Like you, you can look at marathon times. Mm-hmm. You can look at sprinting times or, you know, track and field. You can look at all that stuff and you can see it like it, it kind of peaks. Mm-hmm. And then the whole testing stuff started and then it like those numbers start to drop off and you have less a lot less people being able to make those crazy kind of numbers. <laughs> as far as baseball and, and steroids use, probably one of the most exciting times to be a baseball fan for in our generation was the home run race between um, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa, yeah. And those names are not mentioned at all anymore because it eventually Mark McGuire first was found to have been using it during that and Sammy Sosa later. Yeah. And now their names are not mentioned at all. Right. And those guys won't, they won't get into the, the Hall of Fame. Right. You know, they're kind of just erased from history, even though, you know, you take the steroids away. If you took it away from everybody in baseball, they still would have been the top of the game because everybody was using. That's the thing. Like, it's not like a lot of people. Oh, it's not a it's not a level playing field. And I'm like, it was a level playing field <laughs> because everybody was using. Now, that doesn't make it right. Like they should institute these rules and they should keep people from using performance enhancing drugs as much as they can. But the reality was they all were almost everybody was doing it like the top folks were doing it. Well, you know, and and the steroids aside, that home run race was probably the most exciting thing going for baseball at the time, really. I mean, it was something other than who's going to win the World Series. But eight years 
actual competition out there, you know? Yeah, yeah, because nobody wants to pay attention to the fact that the Yankees just keep winning the World Series. Right. <laughs> and that crashed into, after Juice broke and all the steroid stuff came out, then it crashed into the strike and all the, the price hikes effectively that came from player paying hikes. It's it just mm-hmm. everything about baseball became like seeded and dirty for like a five to 10 year stretch. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, the Yankees just kept winning world series and nobody was watching. <laughs> yeah. It's every Yankees fans. And right. Nobody can stand to put up with those people. <laughs> <laughs> nobody can. <laughs> like every time they won the world series, they acted like they won the world series for the first time, you know, in a hundred years. And like, no, it's not. You're taking the joy away from other people when they other teams when they actually do something worthwhile yes you literally buy all the good players at the beginning of the year because you have the money to do that because you charge six hundred dollars for a ticket to go see one game out of the 168 62 162 in the regular season and then you use that turn that around and you buy all the best players from the rest of the league and then you win another world series good job you <laughs> right. And to go along with this whole, you know, baseball is making changes thing. And we were talking about the All-Stars. So you have their home run derby and then the next day you have the All-Star game. Here's the funny part. The home run derby, other people in baseball, like other players in baseball get to elect who goes to the home run derby. Fans get to determine who goes to the All-Star game and who gets to play the various spots. Mm-hmm. For a few years there, the All-Star game originally didn't have any sort of impact. It was just an all-star game. Then for a few years, they tested out a program where basically whichever league won the all-star game got to have home field advantage for the World Series. Yeah, I remember that. Is that not still the rule? Nope, not anymore. Oh. As far as the all-star is concerned, I have two things that I'd like to talk about about it. Is One, I think the voting thing should be reversed. I think fans should vote who goes to the home run derby and people in baseball get to pick the best players who get to play for the game. And I think they should bring back the home field advantage rule for the all-star game because then it has more meaning. What, what, what is the rule right now if it's not the All-Star game? On the All-Star game? No, I mean like the, who gets the home field advantage in the World Series? Oh, whoever had the best record. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Just overall in the regular season, who had the best record? Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes quote-unquote sense, but you're right, it's not as fun. Right. In most cases, the teams are going to be pretty evenly matched as far as the record's concerned. On occasion, yeah, you will have blowouts where another one team made won 110 games, another one won 95 games. Breaking 100 games in baseballs. It used to be a pretty rare thing. It's starting to become slightly more common, or at least most teams get very close to breaking 100 win games. But the All-Star game, to me, doesn't have any meaning. So if you gave it meaning such as home field advantage, then there's a reason for players to actually go and play and have a good time and whatnot. And as far as the Home Run Derby, the Home Run Derby is expressly for the fans. That is for the fans to get the thing that baseball is trying to make the most money out of anyways is home runs. People think that that's the most entertaining part about baseball is the home run. So it makes more sense to me to have fans vote who gets to go and watch them on TV. Yeah, that makes sense. And so you have the players voting for who goes to the All-Star game is what you're saying? Right. So that way, then they have a vested interest in going because then they make the World Series, then they could have home field advantage. Yeah, I like that. I like that quite a bit, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And all this is just in way of saying so much of all-star games throughout major league sports in America don't really have a purpose. For example, the Pro Bowl, which is the all-star game for the NFL, is done just before the Super Bowl. It's in that period of time between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl. And it's like, but anybody who's on those Super Bowl teams who are on the teams going to the Super Bowl, 
those players, if they're elected to go to the Pro Bowl, aren't going to go because they're not going to want to get hurt. Yep, that makes sense. I mean, if you did it after the Super Bowl, when all these guys have all the time in the world to get hurt and heal up and do everything else, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I still don't think I'd watch it, though. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely doesn't have the impact like the all-star they really do a really good job as far as fans of the sport and advertising for it usually the cities who host the all-star game really do a, like a really big job of promoting it last year was cleveland and cleveland just made a big old thing about it you know all these advertisements and everything they could do to get the attention for the all-star game they did i think the pro bowl was in orlando again this year nobody cares yeah nobody cares <laughs> that's the problem <laughs> it's, it's great for the for the players though because then they get to take their kids to disney after yeah yeah it's a good point it's a place where a lot of people can go in the middle of january why not because yeah. before it was hawaii and it was like nobody wants to go to why? Because it's too expensive to get there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Oh, yeah, that was going to be the other thing. I'm going to talk about it. as far as rule changes. They're trying to shorten the baseball season. They're thinking about dropping six games right now, so it'd be 156 games. See, okay, that is that is my currently my biggest problem with watching baseball are the the number of games. You know, each game is a three to four hour time investment, mm -hmm. and that is followed by another 161 of those. <laughs> you know, if you're talking about going to watch the first game, so it just it, it's a lot of time. An insane amount of time when you really think about it. Mm -hmm. It's fatiguing. I mean, it's obviously fatiguing to the players, but it's fatiguing to the fans. You can only watch so much baseball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you say that, and I do know that there are fanatical fans that watch, try to watch every game from their team. But yeah, if you have any sort of life and you're not retired, I mean, it is a lot of games. So the problem becomes... So you get fatigued because there's too many games. Okay, I'll, I'll watch a couple games. But then it, it causes the vast majority of those games to be relatively meaningless. It's like statistically speaking, there are several games in there that have like more meaning than others, but most of those game, it's one out of 162. So it by itself doesn't have a whole lot of meaning. So I just spent, you know, three to four hours on something that does that in the grand scheme of the season may not mean anything. Uh, and so that's the other side of the fatigue ball. As you're watching it, sure, it doesn't have any meaning. But when you get into that last month of baseball and the wear and tear of those 100 games starts sinking in and now becomes a game of endurance. How healthy are your players? How strong are they? Can they go the rest of that month and make it to the playoffs and then continue on after that? Right, because then, you know, the playoffs are another how many games? At most... Five, seven, seven, twenty. Twenty. Because if you're one of the wild card teams, you get an extra game. Okay. So that's hundred and eighty two games. Yeah. Like you said, that's kind of the point where you separate the man, the men from the boys. And that's where when people go, you know, baseball's not a physically demanding sport. Well it is when you get to September. <laughs> yeah. It's because you you've played a bajillion games. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, you didn't have to run that much, but you had to throw a bunch. It, it, it's wear and tear on pretty much your entire body. Right. You know, a lot of really great looking teams in June fall apart <laughs> yep. by the time you get to August. <laughs> yep. I'm very curious. It's more and more teams are moving towards being inside of domes or being inside of indoor playing fields. Of what effect that'll have? Yeah. You know, the city of Arlington decided to build the Rangers another field or park mm -hmm. for some reason. I have no idea. Well, ultimately, the big business reason for baseball to do that is to essentially make sure that one, it's always comfortable for fans to come out. And two, that they don't have to postpone games or reschedule games due to weather. Yeah. 
and so you, you have like Globe Lake Park in Arlington, which is an amazing, you know, I remember when I was a kid, it's an amazing park. I loved it. But last season was its last season because Arlington decided to build them a new uh, field. Right. So now you have Globe Lake Park, which is literally across the street from Globe Life Field. Right. <laughs> yeah, but field has a, you know, it has a movable uh, ceiling right. or roof or dome or whatever the hell they're calling it these days. And because of that, in the middle of July, instead of being 110 degrees in the sun, it's going to be 80. Right. A comfortable <laughs> 80 degrees. You know, as a fan, I, I actually do really like that because I don't have any trepidation, trepidation about taking my kids right. or going myself. And typically with these new stadiums, too, they do things so that way they can add reasons to bring the family so i'm sure they'll have like a kid's park in there yeah they'll have kids zones and activities and things like that yeah they did at the old one too uh-huh. but it's probably you're probably right it's probably not as big like uh tampa bay and the outfield over the right center field stands is an aquarium tank with stingrays in it yeah. between innings you can go and look at the stingrays or possibly touch the stingrays just that and the other thing yeah they always try to do gimmicks like that like over the last couple of years the indians at their park progressed field. They've done major renovations in the back of the outfield area in the stands. And now they have what they call a district ticket, which is about 13 bucks, standing room only. And the first drink is free. So basically it's a bar thing to get people to go in there and drink. So you go see a baseball game for 13 bucks, stand there and you get a free drink. Mm. So, you know, Steam's always try to do little gimmicky things like that. Oh, also like say at the Miami Marlins Park, they have at field level out in left field is, and I'm not kidding, is a club called the Clevelander after the club on South Beach. And it is a club in the baseball stadium that has a pool in there and seats that are at field level. Nice. That's kind of one of the things they have at, uh, and granted this is a minor league team, but at the Frisco Rough Riders, mm-hmm. they have the Lazy River <laughs> in the outfield <laughs> that you can rent out. <laughs> well, that's another reason why going to baseball games is perhaps more fun than, say, sitting at home is because your kids can be distracted or if you're really not that interested in, in watching the whole thing for three, four hours, there's something there to do. But to me, the upside of watching the baseball game at home is I can order pizza, I can order wings, I can drink a lot of beer. <laughs> yeah, I can drink more than I could at the stadium because I'll eventually have to drive. Right. <laughs> Interesting. So they have this area, part of the new, uh, the Globe Life Field, the new one called Texas Live. Uh-huh. And it's like an open air venue. They've already got a whole bunch of DJs and uh, bands lined up. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's several restaurants and whatnot right around. I guess it's in like it's, I think it's between the old park and the new park, the old park and the new field. Oh, okay. So it's supposed to be like a venue, like a concert venue. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And there's, you know, bars and whatnot around it. Man, they're sinking a lot of money into this. Okay, do we want to talk about World Series? Yeah. But this year's World Series, or this last year's World Series, 2019, was the Houston Astros out of the American League and the Washington Nationals out of the National League. And the Washington, when I say Washington, it's Washington, D.C., not Washington, where Seattle is. Because yeah. Seattle's have Seattle has the Mariners. Yep. It went all seven games. Yep. The Astros came in with a home field advantage. So first two games. Yep. First two games were played in Houston, yep. followed by three games in DC, followed by another two games in Houston. And the the very interesting thing about this series, I guess the historic thing is the home team never won. Correct. So when the games were in Houston, the Senate or the Senators, yeah, the Nationals. <laughs> Sorry, the Senators is the old name for the Washington team. <laughs> The, the Nationals won, and when they were in D.C., the Astros won. And it was pretty handily every time. 
<laughs> yeah, but actually, the only close game was the first game. I'm looking at it here now, and the first game was five to four Nationals. Mm-hmm. The only time the score ever got ridiculous was game two, uh, 12 to three Nationals. So game two, I believe Verlander was pitching for the Astros. He's their star, or was their star? I don't know. Is he still with the Astros? Yeah, game two, yeah, Verlander. Yeah. Verlander was pitching. He's the he's the star pitcher, and he pitched till I want to say the end of this or the bottom of the sixth. No, top of the sixth because it would have been home. And then I want to believe he got pulled in the seventh, and everything went downhill rapidly from there. <laughs> <laughs> and this was kind of the story for the rest of the series. Once the opening pitcher was pulled for the Astros, basically the bullpen collapsed, <laughs> and the Nationals were able able to score enough runs either to win or to sweep because let's face it game two was a full-on sweep and it happened the other way too but when it happened when the nationals kind of fell apart it was like a slower falling apart <laughs> so in this one verlander pitched six innings he went six innings seven hits four runs four earned runs three walks six strikeouts and only one of those was a home run so yeah i mean he got pulled about halfway through which is pretty typical yeah but reading this right he threw 107 pitches no, he he didn't look great. He looked much better the next time he played. Yeah. He still didn't play, I guess, well enough. <laughs> really what he did is he played fantastic, and after he got pulled, the Nationals ran away with it. But Well, when he got pulled, there was four runs on the board for him. Brian Presley gave up four. Josh James gave up three. And Chris Davinsky gave up one. Yeah. So as many runs were made against Verlander as there was against the first reliever. Effectively, what it did was it took a, a possible win and, you know, chucked it down the garbage can. Right. <laughs> if I remember right, the score wasn't that bad when Verlander got pulled. It was only four to three, something like that. It was mm-hmm. reasonable. And then it, the next inning, it rapidly went unreasonable. Not that people can't come back. It just didn't happen. <laughs> there were two kind of what I would call big controversies. Actually, there there's one controversy and then one huge explosion <laughs> is how I will put it coming out of this. So the controversy was game six. Yeah, it was game six. There was a national. So he, he had a hit. It got stopped by the pitcher. He's trucking it towards a home plate. Right. And the pitcher makes the throw to home plate and it hits uh, the runner. So the, the way the rule goes. OK, you can go ahead and explain how the rule goes on this. Because if I try and explain, I'll get it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The way I understand it is is that the runner can't interfere with the play, but at the same time, the catcher can't be in the way of the runner. I mean, the way that I understand it is that one can't interfere with the other. So the catcher can't get in the way of the runner, but the runner can't get in the way of the pitch. That's right. Basically, what happened is that the runner, when he took off from the plate to head to first, he was running a little bit on the outside of the line. Right. And then as he got about two steps away from first base, he recentered himself. And at that point, he got in the way of the pitcher throwing the ball to the first baseman. And so that's when the ball hit him. And then he, you know, goes on and his foot hits the middle of the base. And obviously the ball hit him. So the the, uh, first baseman doesn't make the catch. So the ump calls him out because you can't intentionally interfere with the play. Right. You got in front of the ball. The reality is the runner couldn't see it. Right. So he doesn't realize he's getting in front of the ball. Well, I'm not having remember seeing the play. I mean, if he noticed the the first baseman lining up to catch it on one degree. So if he potentially, again, not having seen the play, if he saw 
the first baseman set up to catch the ball and decided to put himself in the path, that could have been. And then, of course, that's interfering with the play. Now, that being said, what he could have done is run into the first baseman after the ball was caught and forced the ball out. Yeah. I, I don't, the way where the first baseman was standing and the way he was running, I, I couldn't say, you know, where his head was that he was trying it looked to me like he was going for the base. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. If he was running outside, like either infield or outfield, you know, he was running outside the the first baseline and then he kind of curved his way back in and got in front of the throw, then it's very obvious. Okay, you got in front of the throw. But he was making a transition from that into running on the baseline and that's where he got hit by the pitch. And I think that's where the judgment call came in because uh-huh. I think you I think you could have called it either way. The ump called him out. And then they were, this was something they actually reviewed and stopped and, and everything. But the reality was it was a judgment call. Uh-huh. And I don't think the umpire was wrong. I don't think he was necessarily right. It's just, you had to make a call and that's the one he made. Right. <laughs> and so that's, that was kind of a, a little bit of a controversy. That was a little controversy. So the big one came when it was revealed, and I don't know by who or how, it was revealed that the Houston Astros, while playing games at home in Houston at Minute Maid Park, had cameras set up in the outfield pointing towards home plate with the objective of trying to read hand signals that were made by the catcher to tell the pitcher what pitches to throw. So for those that don't know, quick explanation, pitchers receive signals in the form of finger signs from the catcher between the catcher's legs one two three four fingers and they tell them whether to throw inside or outside the plate you know towards or away from the batter typically in baseball sign stealing isn't a big deal because it's usually done it's usually attempted by any of the base runners or if by some chance the base coaches at first and third are paying attention if they could see the hand gestures and they try to you know give signals to the batter as to what pitch is coming if they have enough time and if they could see them yeah sign stealing is just a natural part of the game that evolved as people started doing signs you know it was a code breaking thing things that are happening right in front of you you know you're not going to ignore them you're going to try to give yourself an advantage anybody would. Just like in football, you see one side of the, the football line up a di- one way, so you line your side up a certain way to try to give yourself the best advantage. It's just all part of the strategic portion of the game. Right. But typically, there's an honor system in baseball where you don't bring technology into the equation. Certainly not one that only has the advantage for the home team. So these cameras were discovered and through investigation found even more so that you know, players and managers in the dugout of the Astros were somehow relaying messages to batters as to what pitches were coming. There were some ridiculous ones out there, and I don't know if any of them are true, but one was that players would pound on a trash can lid or that players at bat would wear these devices that would buzz, an electronic signal would be sent and would buzz on the player to tell them what pitches were coming. Let me explain why this is so important. It's because hitting a baseball in Major League Baseball is literally the hardest single activity anybody can do right. in sports. Most pitchers even throw in a straight ball, which would be a fastball throw somewhere around 85 to 90 miles an hour. I say 85 slow. These days, I think everybody's yeah. overnight. Hey, throwing a fastball, it's over 90 miles an right. hour. Think about that. You have a tiny little ball coming at you 90 miles an hour. And that's straight. That's just a straight ball. That Never mind the sliders, the curves, the knuckles, the sinkers, you know, you name it. They've got all sorts of these names. And they're all different speeds and they all go different directions. And you as a batter, this is what you're up against. You're trying to figure out what is he going to throw? How is he going to throw it? And, and knowing that, just knowing, oh, 
he's going to throw a fastball. You know how to time yourself, right? Because that's right. the biggest thing about a changeup or a slider is that you're throwing the ball slower than you would if it was a fastball. And right. so it changes the whole dynamic of what you're trying to do as a batter. And let's even put it even more in this perspective is that a good batting average for a baseball player is about 30%. It put into a decimal 300.300. That is anything above 300 is considered a good batting. Typically, uh, if you're starting a game and you finish a game, you get three to four at bats per game out of 162 games. So this is how difficult that is. Now, giving yourself that advantage is a huge advantage. It's really unfair, especially if the other side doesn't have that ability, you know, because they're not at home. So that's that's why this is a big deal. And the Astros kind of got pinched for this. I don't know who called it because it needed to be called. But the it's, it's starting to come out that there are other teams, at least Boston, um, and probably I'm going to guess more teams than them. Mm. Uh, we're doing this and it it's not cool <laughs> to put it in, in super simple terms. It's just not cool, man. <laughs> Once Major League Baseball had concluded their investigation, they had suspended the head coach and the assistant head coach for the Astros who at the time of the, the incident, I think it was the assistant head coach had gone on to try to be the head coach for the Met and they had gotten a one-year suspension, both coaches. And almost simultaneously, the teams that they were playing for, they would have been playing for this year, the Strohs and the Mets had fired them. Without prompting from Major League Baseball, these teams did it on their own because it, was, it looked bad for them to keep them on. But at the same token, they're like, yeah, you gotta go. <laughs> I mean, all that aside, I mean, let's just look at the World Series, right? Mm -hmm. It obviously wasn't enough of an advantage right. <laughs> for them to do well at home, but they still won away. Right. You know, the, the coaches are obviously still good coaches. The, the team is still a good team. They were just... They they were cheating in some of these instances. So it's sad to see him go because we knew he was a good coach, right? but he was also a cheater. And so, dang it. <laughs> and baseball did not want to get brought down into the same kind of scandals and foolishness that it seems to always generate around like the New England Patriots, you know, <laughs> yeah. Deflate Gate and, you know, audio recordings in, in the, the locker room. The New England Cheatriots. Right. Keep their way to the top since as long as they've been a team. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I really don't know. I, I don't know as much about the Patriots stuff. Neither do I, really. I know the Giants beat them that one year, mm -hmm. and they credit that to being ultra protective with their playbooks. You know, that's what they credit that win with, mm -hmm. um, or a lot of people do. And I got to say, if that's why you win a game, you know, as big as the Super Bowl, then, well, maybe there's a lot to that. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely some, some interesting things when you when you walk away from the Patriots and you see how they've performed over the last few years ago. Hmm. Hmm. And again, it's not so we're not saying that like Tom Brady is bad or his receivers weren't any good or, you know, Belichick was a bad coach. What we're saying is they were all good and they were using this unfair advantage on top of the fact that they were good. Right. Although Brady is obviously on the downslide because, well, he's old. <laughs> Not everybody can be Brett Favre. Yeah, Favre. But what makes this controversy so bad for baseball is like we were just talking earlier about performance enhancing, you know, drugs about, you know, steroids. And that, for the most part, we see as an individual's bad thing. One person decided to do that. It wasn't a directive by coaches for a whole team. You typically sell that that players have a guy that they used to, that they would talk to. You know, a guy that would get him stuff. Whereas this was an institutional thing. You know, coaches were doing this and they were getting their players involved. And so it just seemed more of like a systemic 
problem and they were like we can't have that yeah because then it tarnishes the whole thing you could tarnish one player like you said so so mcguire barry bonds <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, obviously <laughs> wrote the book <laughs> wasn't it bonds so we frantically type into our googles <laughs> um jose canseco and it's funny, I think if you watch Jose's career as he goes from team to team, you see a sudden spike in performance on each of those teams. <laughs> well, that's the cool part about baseball. It's like how many teams these players all play for. You know, so at some point, you know, when they hit a bay, like, oh, yeah, he used to play for us. You know, the one thing I will say, though, is the last couple of years, the World Series have been interesting. You know, the Strohs versus the Dodgers was an interesting one. Strohs versus the Nationals was an interesting one. Cubs versus the Indians was an interesting one. I mean, they, these were World Series that people tended to pay attention to because they actually were entertaining as opposed to the years that with the Yankees. Because when you were watching the Yankees, you just never really thought that somehow the Yankees were just going to pull it off. Well, you know, I remember that one year where it was the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Red Sox won. That was was right. a fantastic year. That was possibly the best year in baseball of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I've earned probably a punch in the gut from several people <laughs> for making that comment. Some of them you know personally. I know, I know. I'm kind of afraid now. <laughs> Why did I say that out loud? <laughs> you fool! You foolish, foolish fool! fool. <laughs> Um, and I, I heard that the the Red Sox really stuck it to the Yankees the next year. Like they did the whole ring ceremony for the, you know, the I almost said Super Bowl rings, the World Series rings, you know, handing them out to the players. They did that ceremony the next like series they played with the Yankees at home. I would. <laughs> yeah, I know. I would, too. <laughs> Again, I'm a jerk. Well, yeah. You know, Boston. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> we're still on in Boston. Oh, son of a. <laughs> but yeah, that was a, a review of the past year. and. This off season, which surprisingly didn't take as long as I thought it was going to take. I know we're like we're in spring training already. We're already feels like football ended like yesterday. <laughs> that was much closer to yesterday though. It was like three weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> or two weeks ago, maybe. It was February, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I want to thank our our one and a half fans for sticking with us for for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate it. And for everybody out there who's tuning in, we do have a Patreon. If you would like to support the podcast and become a patron, there is more content you get access to depending on what level of patronage you supply to us. And we really appreciate our current uh, patron, possibly patrons, (laughs) but you never know. We at least have one right now. So ecstatic about that. Thank you very much for your support. And just so you know, everybody knows the any funds raised on the Patreon go directly to editing the podcast. So this podcast does cost money to make. Uh, me and Bruce don't get any of that. It goes to our lovely, wonderful and talented Supreme Editor in Chief who makes this podcast listenable. And we do appreciate and love her. And so all proceeds from that do go to her. And the work she does for us. So we really appreciate it. And if you aren't a patron, please, please, please be a patron. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, please sign up for patron. Um, If there's uh, specific sports stuff, email us or drop us a line on the the webpage. You know, uh, get in contact with us through the webpage. So it's uh, patinthefatman.com. 
and we're going to start running eventually we're going to start running polls to see what either movies or sporting events or whatnot people would like us to review and comment on and if there's any other content anybody's interested in of course this will both be for general fans and there there will be patron specific polls uh, about topics and and the more you support us the more involved with the podcast you can be uh, we're all about our fans and you know this podcast is pretty much hanging out with me and bruce and so we really appreciate it the more you want to hang out with us the more we'll hang out with you i don't think that sounded creepy did that sound creepy no <laughs> okay we'll go with no <laughs> <laughs> so thank you everybody this has been another episode of pat and the fat man i'm pat and i'm the fat man otherwise known as bruce stay classy go tribe yo Woo. <laughs> yeah what uh, uh, oh, okay okay <laughs> okay <laughs> oh man can i have more confidence in that <laughs>